the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. John 3.16 proclaims that God came into this world through Jesus, that God sent Jesus, that God gave Jesus to save you and to heal you. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today on Reaching Your Heart, we will conclude a message we started the last time we were together entitled Perfection and Acceptance. Remember, you can find this broadcast and many more online at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentanko again with the conclusion to Perfection and Acceptance. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Suddenly a man who I just met, who had previously prayed for, came up to me and he asked to talk with me about his spiritual problems. I said, let's get out of here and go outside the parking lot and talk. And when we did, this precious man began to unload on me the burden of his troubled soul. Now he comes from a Catholic background and he must think I'm a priest. There's some good sides to that. It feels good to be respected as the Catholics respect their priests. Sometimes in our church, we're kind of hard on pastors, right? A little bit. But man, he treated me with respect. And I didn't tell him I wasn't a priest. Maybe I was wanting to experience some of that good stuff. But it felt good. And he said, look, sometimes they've called me father. I'm no father, you know, but it's interesting. He said, I like where I work. It has helped me. These are good people here. But my life is a mess, and I don't know how to fix it. I have so much chaos in my life, and I feel like my life is out of control. I've had trouble, and it just comes year after year. That's the way I live. He says, I feel you care about me. I said, yes, I do. I didn't tell him that I was feeling the same way that day. We're all people, you know. And it hit me that I can't fix his life any better than I can fix mine or the lives of those around me in trouble. Everybody makes their own decisions, you know. Life is complicated. We all live in the center of our own storm, right? At that moment, I perceived that he was a lonely man. I've been lonely in life like him. In that one way, he and me, we were the same. In the COVID crazy time in which we live, we don't even shake hands anymore. You notice how the pastor gives you a fist bump on your way out? Some of you kind of pull your hand back. That's all right. It's changed the way we interact. We've been altered. In that moment of loneliness and isolation, I put my arm around him. Sorry about any rules. Put my arm around him. Who cares about COVID when a man is dying on the inside of loneliness? 
And I prayed for him an earnest prayer in the parking lot. I called on Jesus' name as my great high priest to help him and to be with him in life. To accept the sincerity of his prayer for grace and mercy to address the trouble that he's going through. I offered to get him a Bible, which I like to do because it's the first way I can study the Bible with someone if they get one. I tried to put their name on it, not just a cheap Bible. I buy them a $100 Bible. I want them to know it was a gift of a lifetime so that they'll study the Bible with me. I wasn't at the top of Mount Sinai with Moses that day. I wasn't on the cross with Jesus either. I was outside a door in a parking lot with a man who needed Jesus just like I need him. You know, there's something healing about a prayer that you pray with someone and a touch that is shared when Jesus is the third party where two or three are gathered there. I am in the midst of them. So he's a part of my church and may never come here, but he is. I prayed and I put my arm around him. As I prayed, God put his arms around us. And somehow we could feel the fix. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is the truth we need every day of our troubled lives, to have joy and peace. You know, to go through the mountains, the ups and the downs, to have God, to know God, to know that God loves us, is the one truth that the Bible declares makes us God's children. It is the truth that gives us the seed of God's word. It is this very character that John talks about. It says, we don't keep on sinning because God's seed is in us. This past week in our Hebrews Bible study on Thursday night, how many of you are in my Hebrews Bible study online Thursday night? Well, some of you are in our Monday night Bible study, right? A couple there. Yep, Monday night Bible studies. We've got a lot going on. We have a number of small group studies. We need to have more. Pastors can't do them all. I don't. Now, most of the time, when people talk about perfection, people talk about themselves a lot. I'm going to be perfect at the time of the end. I'm going to be a member of the 100,000. You know, what you hear is that word, I, 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 throughout their talk. It makes me sick, frankly. I don't want to hear a lot about somebody. I want to know about Jesus. And I have found that those kind of people are some of the most narcissistic folk I've ever met because it's pharisaical. I'm going to vindicate the character of God. Well, I wouldn't say anything like that. I think God could do his own stuff without me trying to mess it up. When you meet someone who is close to perfect, and they're out there, maybe even perfect, because it's possible to live like that in this life in Jesus. It is. They will be the first person to tell you that they are not perfect. According to Hebrews 7, Jesus became our great high priest in the resurrection on Easter morning. And God swore an oath that he would never die again, that he would become our great high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Friend, that oath of God that can never be withdrawn resurrected Jesus from the grave on Sunday morning for a holy purpose as our great high priest. Turn with me to Hebrews 7.25. Here's the verse we looked at in our Bible study. Consequently, he is able. It doesn't say you are. It says he is able. For all time, the Greek is pentata. I'll talk about that. To save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's what happened on Sunday morning. Every moment, friend, of your imperfect life, this verse is saying, Jesus, as your great high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus brings people in your life to pray for you. True. But if you don't feel like anyone else is praying for you, and if no one is Circle that verse. Get the yellow highlighter, you know. I highlight my sermons. You see that? 
I'm not here being hypocritical. Get your yellow highlighter. Get your pen. You see me how I marked up all those verses and stuff? Mark them up. Circle it and say, that verse matters. Why? Because Jesus lives to pray for you. He prays for you all the time as if you were the only one in the universe because you are to him. The Greek in Hebrews 7.25 is literally pentata. Every then, every moment, prick of time, quantum time, personal time, your time, Sabbath time, weekly time. Jesus absorbed at night and day with you and your need to be saved. He prays for you, which means he loves you. God loves you through Jesus. Jesus will not stop praying for you for all time. He'll pray for you long after you're in heaven. He'll keep on praying for you. Hebrews 7, 26 to 7. Now notice this. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, unstained, separate from sinners, exalted above the heavens. That means he's perfect. Now who's perfect according to that verse? Come on. Who's perfect? Jesus is perfect. How many of you want to be like Christ? I want to be perfect too. I'm not in the cramp that says you don't need to be perfect. I want to be perfect. Now look at verse 27. He has no need like those high priests. That's like Pastor Mike and others, you know, people on earth. To offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for the people. He did this once and for all when he offered up himself. Christ's sacrifice on the cross was good enough to get it done. That's why the mass is an evil theology. That says he has to be sacrificed again and again and again. It denies the cross of Christ. Indeed, the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath. You see, that's when he swore on Sunday morning that made Jesus resurrect. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. See, so if you want to focus on perfection, you need to come to Jesus. Because in the acceptance of God, your life is a journey that will get it done in God's way. I confess that in my search for perfection and my yearning for it, because I want it, I see none of it in me right now. Is it okay to say that? I don't see it in me. But in Jesus, I see everything I want to be, everything I need, the beauty of that which I must worship, the path to God. I see a perfect sacrifice at Easter that is not a bunny but a lamb. I see a gift that does not have to be given again and again. It was good enough. I see a sacrifice that is perfect enough for all time to take care of every one of my sins, to heal me, to heal my family. And I see a Savior who gave himself for me willingly as God's gift also. And I know that the gift of Jesus is perfect for me every way, every day, for the rest of my life into eternity. Acceptance is what we have right now in Jesus. That's good, isn't it? Perfection is what we get when we don't let go of Jesus. Paul says that the one who started the work will be faithful to get it done. He says, I do not consider that I have attained perfection, but I press on toward the upward call in Christ because God in Christ Jesus has made me his own. Acceptance. Yesterday morning when I was at the attorney's office, I opened my Greek Bible and I read 1 John 3, 1 and a little more before the meeting started. Look at the Bible verse. You can open your Bibles. It's a good thing to open your Bibles. You can then underline, bring a nice yellow highlighter and underline your Bible if you want to. And if you mark up your Bible, buy a new Bible every year. I have a stack of them I like that. I like marking them up and moving on and on and on. So, you know, have a collection of your Bibles. Don't let your spouse throw them away. You have too many Bibles. No, you don't have too many Bibles in your home. 
and put the Conflict of the Ages series with them, you'll really know your Bible. Christ Object Lessons, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, the greatest books that have affected me in my life. 1 John 3, 1 to 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. See, we're in His family. We're like Him, in a way. Beloved, we are God's children now. That's called acceptance. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. That means we're not perfect. Right? Come on. Look at the verse. We're accepted, but we're not perfect. That's what John's saying, not Pastor Mike. But, not like the but. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Something's going to happen between now and then. For then we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We're in a journey to be perfect. But we're accepted at the beginning of the journey. Now over that distinction, the reformers died in the flames. Because the apostolic gospel rediscovered in the Reformation affirmed in the book Great Controversy. and should be affirmed by every Seventh-day Adventist Christian. They died because they would not buy into the Catholic notion that you're accepted at the end of the journey, after the fires of purgatory, after sanctification. The primacy of justification by faith led them to love God and to face the fires and the flames of a martyr's death for the truth that God in Christ has accepted me. And thus I cling to the cross through anything. You know, we don't get to heaven because we are good people. We get to heaven because we are His people. You hear me? We don't become righteous because we are. We are made righteous because He is. We don't become pure and perfect because we achieve something in life, like a victory that is special. No. We become pure and perfect in the end because we receive the Lamb by faith in Him and God, and we don't let go all the way to the end. Here is the patient endurance of the saints, those who keep the faith, the commandments of God, the faith of Jesus. We do it by hanging on to Jesus. That's all. We become pure in that way. So we purify ourselves by that relationship. In the end, all that we are and all that we will ever be, we owe to Jesus and His Father. That's why in Revelation 7, the righteous will cast their thrones before the Lord. That's my part. But they say salvation belongs to the one who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. We will cast our golden crowns at His wounded feet in glory. The beautiful feet that brought the gospel of peace into our troubled lives. Twyla Paris has a song called How Beautiful Are the Feet of the One Who Brings Good News and so on. She's quoting up Isaiah. It's my favorite song. I hope you all learn that song and do it up here. And maybe lead us so we could all sing it and not just hear it. Brenda Myers Powell appeared on the BBC News in 2015 where she shared her story of God's transforming love and grace. Brenda Myers Powell was a little girl when she became a prostitute in the early 1970s. She confessed that right from the start she was handed a life of lemons. But she wanted very much to make lemonade in her life. She wanted something sweet to give. Her mother died when she was six. Her grandmother, who was an alcoholic, didn't have much to say about her mother's death or life. So she really had no context to bridge the pain with some memory of the past. Her grandmother who was an alcoholic, had struggles, very deep struggles, but nonetheless took care of her in some ways that were very meaningful. She had a good side to her. She would read her bedtime stories because she loved her. She would make stuffed sweet potatoes for her. 
but as an alcoholic and lonely herself and damaged because she lived in a place called H-E-L-L, hard to live. She brought men into her home who took advantage of Brenda as a little girl when her grandmother passed out from the alcohol. Her grandmother never knew what was going on and she never told her. Brenda was a latchkey child like many Generation X children were. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. The traumatized generation is Generation X. I'm a borderline Generation Xer, right on the line between boomers and Generation X. My brother's a Generation Xer. You know, he committed suicide, opioid addiction, etc. Generation X has suffered more than any generation alive at the present time. So like many Generation X children were, deep trauma, abortion, and neglect found its real expression from Generation X on. And because of these challenges and the awful statements of worthlessness, the horrible abuse, Brenda began to dress provocatively, short skirts, lots of makeup, you know, cheap jewelry, whatever, to make her look sparkly, sparkly dresses and a low bus line. She liked the looks of the girls on the street who got in the car with strangers and sped away happy-looking. She asked her grandmother who they were, and her grandmother explained what they did and how they got their money. Because she was already suffering that same way, and she didn't tell her grandmother, who always would pass out and then it would happen to her and home with grandmother's friends, she thought it best to make a little money doing the same thing and maybe bring some help to grandmother. She became a prostitute at the age of 14. When money got hard to find in her house, she turned to the hard kind of living that paid the bills at a very great price. One evening, it was Good Friday, but not for Brenda. She went alone to the corner of a street with a $4 two-piece dress, some cheap plastic shoes, orange lipstick that would make her look older, and she thought maybe pretty to some. You know, one thing I have told young ladies in the church, you don't have to do that to be pretty. It's the godly calling of a godly father and a godly mother to tell their little girls, you don't need makeup, you don't need jewelry, you don't need any of that to be pretty. You are beautiful. And if they don't get those messages, it's very hard to hear. I don't have any girls. I have two boys. So going to John Michael and saying, you're pretty, you know, it didn't work, you know. But I'm telling you, if I did, that's what I would do. And when I can... You know, this is a sensitive subject. I don't like hurting anyone's feelings. To tell them of the simple beauty of who you are. You know, you don't have to be some painted Mohican to be a beautiful woman. And the men of character don't want to have to look through that filter to see the beauty that God has given you. And so she went alone to the corner, painted up, worked up to make it work. She made $400 that night and she gave most of it to her grandmother. Her grandmother was happy. She brought the money home to pay the bills. She cried all night. She cried all night. The third time Brenda went to the street, a couple of men pistol whipped her and put her in the trunk of a car. They took her to a cornfield and raped her. 
And after that, they took her to a hotel room and locked her in the closet to brainwash her. They pimped her until she was their property psychologically. She became an asset now. Whatever she made, she wouldn't get it all. She suffered unbelievable physical and mental abuse. She would say later, I have been shot five times, stabbed 13 times. I don't know why those men attacked me. All I know is that society made it comfortable for them to do so. Her pimp acted like Prince Charming, but he was no prince at all, she said. She worked as a prostitute until she was nearly 40 years old. She lost her childhood. She lost her early womanhood. On April 1, 1997, a customer threw her out of his car. Her dress got caught in the door. She was dragged six blocks on the ground, tearing the skin off her face, and from one side of her body, she was now very seriously injured. She was taken to a local hospital where she was admitted in serious condition. The local police officer wrote her off with disgust. She's just a prostitute who deserves nothing good. That was his assessment. She would later say, and I'm going word for word from her interview with the BBC, and it was at that moment, while I was waiting for the next shift to start, for someone to attend my injuries, that I began to think about everything that had happened in my life. Up until that point, I'd always had some idea of what to do, where to go, how to pick up myself again. Suddenly, it was like I had run out of bright ideas. I remember looking up and saying to God, these people don't care about me. Could you please help me? She would later say that God worked real fast in her life to heal her and to help her. The moment she came to that prayer, the great God of heaven marshaled help for her. She said, God brought a social worker named Edwina into my life and she cared about me. She showed me that I could have a relationship with a woman in a godly kind of way where I could be strengthened by those deep woman connections. You know, women's ministry is needed. Women's ministry is needed because women have deep communication needs. And from it can flow service for the cause of God. Edwina helped her and God helped her through Edwina. In time, Brenda began to help girls like herself find a new life with God. A few years later, she met a man who loved her in the right kind of way and they married. Amazing. In time, Brenda with a friend started the Dreamcatcher Foundation. A dreamcatcher in Native American culture is an object that is supposed to chase away the nightmares. Working with Brenda and others, her new life is now one of service, ministry for people like her who need to see the love of God and who have suffered in the same kind of way that she has. In 2012, Brenda became the first woman in Illinois history to have her criminal record purged, totally erased. She confessed. She said, the woman who has been tortured should be treated as a survivor, not as a criminal. I like that. Her daughters were raised by her aunt in the suburbs because she had enough sense to figure out that she'd make a lousy mother. So she made sure her kids were raised by someone who'd give a good beginning. And they're great kids. It worked. She said this in her interview with the BBC News as she confessed her faith in a loving God who answered her prayer for grace in the moment of her darkness, in her lowest point on earth, the healing that God brings. She said this, So I'm here to tell you, that there is life after so much damage. There is life after so much trauma. There is life after people have told you that you are nothing, that you are worthless, and that you will never amount to anything. There is life. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of life. There is a lot of life. Friend, at the heart of the Gospel of John, its very center, Jesus says, I have come 
What he says before, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You know John 3.16. Let's affirm it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A lot of life at that. God bless you. I pray for your people today, and I'm one of them. I pray that the soul that does not feel that you have loved them will know in Jesus it is true. And Lord, they will not let their sins stop them from coming to you because Jesus has taken care of that. And so, Lord, may you bless your people today. May you hold them. You know, I can make a call with a hand here where it's easy to respond. But, Lord, I'm going to ask for the call to be in the heart. That where it matters, in the secret place that you alone see, may they lift that prayer to you right now and say, Father, thank you for giving Jesus for me. Take their sins away. Pardon their lives. May the little faith that sees you Grow with knowledge and the love of God. Save them and their families. Help us to not be arrogant, self-righteous, talking down about others. Perfect, but not really. Help us to be loving people like Jesus, who's the perfect one. And get us home. Help us to be obedient in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude Perfection and Acceptance. Remember, you can find this and many more messages available for you online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.